0: Hi there, listeners. Welcome back to Forgotten Events. This is your host, Katie. Our story is about three innocent victims that to this day have never been found. This is the story of the missing Springfield women. Robert Craig Cox, a convicted kidnapper, claimed he knew three women that had been murdered. He said their bodies would never be found, and in true form, their whereabouts nor their remains have ever been located. Cox was a highly decorated, highly skilled Army Ranger. Three women went missing on June 7, 1992. Suzanne Susie Streeter, her friend Stacy McCall, and Suzanne's mother, Cheryl Levitt. They were in Springfield, Missouri. All their personal belongings, including their cars, their purses, everything was left behind. At their house, there were no signs of a struggle. There was a message on the answering machine that police believed might have provided a clue about the women's disappearance, but by the time the police arrived, it was inadvertently erased by one of the victim's family members. In 1992, Susie's mother, Cheryl Elizabeth Levitt, was 47 at the time of her disappearance. She was a cosmetologist and a single mother and was described as being very close to her daughter. Susie was 19 years old, and Stacy Kathleen McCall, Susie's friend, was age 18. Susie and Stacy had just graduated from Kickapoo High School on June 6th. They were last seen around 2 a.m. on June 7th when they were leaving the last of the graduation parties they attended that evening. And at some point that evening, someone said they were also spotted in Battlefield. The two had planned to spend the night at their friend Janelle Kirby's house, but when they arrived, they decided Janelle's house was a little too crowded. So they decided instead to go to Susie's house for the remainder of the night. And there's no question that they arrived home because their clothing, purses, cars... They were all at the house the following day. Cheryl, Susie's mom, was last heard from at around 11.15 p.m. on June 6th when she spoke with a friend on the phone about painting an armoire. The following morning, somewhere around 9 a.m., Janelle, Susie's friend, and her boyfriend showed up at Susie's house after Susie and Stacy failed to come to her house. The three had planned to spend the day at a water park. But upon her arrival, Janelle found the front door unlocked. She entered the home, but found no sign of the two girls or Susie's mom. She knew they didn't go anywhere via automobile because each of the women's cars were still at the house. She would tell police... That the glass lampshade that covered the porch light was shattered when she arrived, though the light bulb itself was still intact. Janelle and her boyfriend swept the broken glass off the porch, which police later determined may have destroyed potential evidence. This was clearly an innocent thing. They were just cleaning off the porch. Inside the house, Janelle found her friend Susie's dog, Cinnamon, a Yorkshire Terrier. Janelle said Cinnamon seemed a little agitated to her. As they were standing in the house, the phone rang, and Janelle answered it. It was a strange and disturbing call from an unidentified man who made sexual innuendos at her. She hung up, but immediately received another call, and it, too, was of a sexual nature. Hours later, Stacy's mother, Janice, visited the house after many failed attempts to reach her daughter by phone. She saw her daughter's clothing neatly folded from the night before. She also found Cheryl and Susie's cigarettes were inside the house. Janice desperately phoned the police from the home's telephone to report the three women missing. And after placing that call, while checking the phone's answering machine, she listened to a strange message. By the way, she is the one that inadvertently erased the message from the tape. More than 16 hours after the women were last seen, Stacy's parents contacted police about their daughter's disappearance from Susie's home. And then the following day, other worried friends and family members visited the home. Police estimated that the crime scene had been corrupted by 10 to 20 people. When the police arrived, they realized there was no signs of a struggle. Well, except for the shattered porch light. Police found that Cheryl's bed had been slept in. On June 9th, two days later, the FBI was called in. And on June 15th, police began working a fresh tip about a transient who neighbors reported seeing near the home in the days before the women disappeared. A sketch would be released showing a man with long hair and a full beard. Then on June 16th, police released a photo of a retouched Dodge van similar to one seen near Susie's home early on June 7th. On December 31st, that same year, America's Most Wanted received a call on their hotline from a man with information about the women's disappearances. Unfortunately, the call was disconnected when the switchboard operator attempted to link up with Springfield investigators. Police discovered that the caller had prime knowledge of the abductions and publicly appealed for the man to call them back. But that call never came. Cheryl and Susie were declared legally dead in 1997. Their case files are still officially filed under Missing Persons. At some point, investigators received a tip that the women's bodies were buried in the foundation of the South Parking Garage at Cox Hospital. In 2007, It starts to get crazy when crime reporter Kathy Baird invited Rick Norland, a mechanical engineer, to scan a corner of the parking garage with ground-penetrating radar. Norland found three anomalies, all roughly the same size, that he said were consistent with a gravesite location. He said that two of the anomalies were parallel and the other perpendicular. The person that gave the tip provided no evidence or logical reasoning behind this theory at that time or since then, said police spokesperson Lisa Cox. She went on to say that the parking garage construction began in September of 1993, which was over a year after the women disappeared. She said, digging up the area and subsequently reconstructing the structure, would be extremely costly to do. And without any reasonable belief that the bodies could be located here, it is illogical to do so. And for those reasons, Springfield Police Department does not intend to. Investigators later determined this lead not to be credible. Now, back to Robert Craig Cox. Cox was imprisoned in Texas as a convicted kidnapper and robber and the suspect in a Florida murder. He told journalists that he knew the three women had been murdered and buried and claimed their bodies would never be found. In 1992, Cox had been living in Springfield and, when interviewed back then, had told investigators that he was with his girlfriend at church the morning after the women disappeared, which his girlfriend confirmed. However, she later recanted her statement and said that Cox had told her to say that. Cox also stated that he was at the home of his parents the night of the disappearance, and they confirmed his alibi. Authorities, though, they were not so sure— Cox was actually involved. Was he lying? Was he seeking recognition? He kind of reminds me of serial killer Henry Lee Lucas, looking for attention, whether he did it or not, just looking for attention. Cox told authorities that he would disclose what happened to the three women after his mother died. Whether or not his mother has passed on, that hasn't happened. As of today, this case remains unsolved in spite of upwards of 5,000 tips from the public. In closing, I must tell you about something I found while reviewing this case. It's just kind of crazy. In 2002, Webster County authorities dig near an abandoned slaughterhouse south of Marshfield, Missouri. They find teeth and bone fragments estimated to be 100 years old. I guess you never know what you will find on a dig.